Thanks for listening to the Secular Hubcast, a podcast made possible through a grant from the American Humanist Association. This show is a project of the Secular Hub, a Denver nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting community, altruism, reason, and education across the diverse secular community of the Front Range region. For more information and become a member, visit secularhub.org. This is Paul Schilling with the Secular Hubcast, otherwise known as the Hubcast. And on today's show, I want to focus some of our energy and time on the secular culture, specifically the secular culture that you'll find at the Secular Hub. Why don't you introduce yourself? We have a a special, extra special guest this evening with us. My name is Dan. I am uh, uh, an amateur musician and an atheist, and um, I know Paul tangentially, and we started hanging out and playing music together, so um, I'm glad to be here. We first met at Recovering from Religion. Is yep. that right? Mm-hmm. That's once a month. Yep. And is it the first Tuesday or what's the... First Saturday. Sorry, yeah, first Saturday. And it starts at, what time is it, 11 or... Something like that, yeah, 11. Yeah. We're yeah. always late. We're, you're always yeah. late? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Recovering from Religion, that's where we met. I met you and Gina and... Yep. Um, uh, who else did I meet there that night? Did I meet? I met Mike, I think, that night. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a few other people, but tell me what. Um, when did you start going to recovering from religion, and why did you go? Well, my my wife started before I did, um, and uh, her experience was different than mine because she's she was sort of a died in the wool atheist who lived in a strict Catholic family and had to deal with those. Uh, you know the struggles of being forced into a a mold that she uh, didn't you know quite fit, mm-hmm. and um, my experience was um, a West Virginia fundamentalist Church of God, you know, uh, sort of a background. We both were you know weary of the sort of unadvertised side effects of religion that, you know, and in both of our families, it was a sort of, a, um, you know, generational pedophilia and uh, lots of other things that were negative, you know, and, and sure. um, there was always the sense that you had to, uh, you know, sort of just swallow whatever the, you know, sickness was in order to keep the, the faith from being embarrassed. Right, right. You know, so... Um, we both came from that sort of a understanding of religion, you know, which is a pretty um, mature one for, you know, children, you know, to have. But it's like when, when you're thrust into that situation, that's what you uh, come out with. So there was something actually to recover from. Exactly. From your yeah, yeah, from, yeah. And I think for most of the people that show up there, there is something to recover from. And, and if, if nothing else, then, then just the simple fact that, that at least within the Christian faith that I was associated with, they, they really bully children and they threaten them with, you know, horrible things, you know, and um, you're at an impressionable age and, you know, uh, they don't acknowledge how harmful it can be to do that to people. Right. So. Yeah, I I had some similar experiences. Uh, It doesn't sound like I was as deeply entrenched in it as you were. Yeah. I don't know for sure, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, my fear of hell and the devil and demons and imps and 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 ghosts and and just all these things that were supposedly real and they were real based on what the people believed around me. Some of them religious beliefs and some of them just superstitions or or misunderstandings of reality. But I was I was meant to be afraid of them. I mean, that's what, yeah, that's what they wanted me to be, was afraid, you know, for myself, for my soul, and stuff like that. And, yeah, so I can totally empathize with that. Now, did you, who did you meet at Recovering From Religion that you've, like, kept in touch with? Well, I mean, one of the tenets of that uh, group is that we don't discuss, you know, out other people who are in it. I mean, this is actually for people who have had trauma from religion. There, we've, we've had... Um, you know, excuse me, Muslim uh, participants who feared for their very lives if their families found out mm-hmm. that they were um, trying to escape the faith. Yeah, that know. they were apostates. Yeah. And, you know, just talking to people, um, you, you come to a real sense that um, all conservative religious ideologies come from the same place in the human psyche, whatever it is. The same, you know, hole basically, and yeah. um, is that the god shaped hole? <laughs> yeah, it must be. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. trying to fill with booze and women and drugs. Gosh, you know, maybe you're Keep you're doing. better off doing that yeah. and filling it with something imaginary. Yeah, I you know, yeah. you can at least moderate what's real. You can't moderate magic. Right. You know, it's limitless and you're powerless against it. Yeah. You know, so um, that, that, I think that's why it's so effective too. I mean, you know. Yeah, you do feel powerless. I felt powerless for years. Yeah, you, but you're thank ta- you for putting me in my place. So you can't tell me who's in that group because that's a confidential group for any listeners out there. And you, if you're if you're nervous, um, this is a safe. That's the secular hub is a safe place, and the recovering from religion group is not is not going to betray that trust. And you have proof positive right here. I mean, no. Yeah. I would say this though: by the time that most people get to the recovering from religion group, they have mostly made up their mind that whatever faith that they it was thrust upon them, and that's what happens with faith: is that it becomes something that that you know uh, your parents or your grandparents or whoever you know sort of force upon you. Yeah, yeah. you know they they burden you with that at a young process, age. Yeah, yeah. so um. um most people are along a little bit farther along in their journey before they even make it to recovering from religion, it seems. Because, you know, desperation, you know, incites a lot of positive action. Sure. You know, maybe a lot of negative action, too. But um, in the case of people, you know, leaving faith, um, you get to a point where there's no other choice, then you have to do that. And I think that's where a lot of people end up. Yeah. Yeah. As I was saying to you earlier, uh, one of the things I wanted to really showcase in this episode was uh, secular culture mm-hmm. and, and how rich it is and how welcoming and warm it is and how nonjudgmental it tends to be. Although we have judgments on people, right? I mean, people come I mean, over and talk shit or, or make asses of themselves or... Or even, you know, I think we were talking about a Krampus party from years back where somebody just sort of showed up and sort of yeah. crashed your party and you guys were yeah. like, oh my God, this sucks, you know. But but it's not, um, it's we're not damning anybody to hell. 
which is nice. No. And then we're also not, um, I feel like the judgments are more valid. Mm-hmm. It's because you were an asshole, or it's because you were you did something rude or you know mean. It wasn't because you're gay or because right. you're just who you are. Sure, and that's for some reason against the rules. Well, yeah. Sometimes so, uh, people, you know, don't live up to the standard, whatever it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, social norms. I, th- I just think the secular community. What I'm trying to say, I think the secular community is much more uh, forgiving for one, and then also oh, yeah. accepting, and so. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your uh, Krampus party. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about Krampus. What is what is Krampus? Well, Krampus um, was a pagan age demon that uh, got a, um, its own day, or I don't remember. I don't know if it was a week or whatever. But there's like Krampus Noct, which is like supposed to be like uh, de- December sixth. And uh, that's when Krampus, this demon, uh, comes and punishes naughty children. Yeah. And not just punishes them, but in gruesome, horrible ways. You know, he dismembers children and eats them. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's just a horrible thing. Look it up. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Krampus is spelled K. I thought it was CF. Yeah. No, it's K-R-A-M-P-U-S. Yeah. And it's an Austrian thing. Yeah. In fact. Um, Go figure. I, I worked with an Austrian guy. And he told me when he was a child in Austria that he would, uh, there was a certain storefront that had a, um, a Krampus head displayed in the storefront <laughs> and he would cross the street to avoid it. That's oh, really? how, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how frightened he was of it because it was, you know, something they always talked about, you know. Yeah. It's, it's a good example of how, um, how credulous children are and why it's so important that we don't feed them bullshit because, yeah. um, it, because it affects them. It, it, it yeah, it does. Them. It's a yeah. lifelong scar that you give them when you teach them to uh, uh, expect stupid things to be, you know, uh, reality. It's, yeah. it's just not how it is. Well, I, so I looked up Krampus right yeah. before I came here, maybe a couple hours ago or whatever. And to your understanding, is Krampus a contemporary of St. Nick, of, of the ancient Santa Claus legend? I don't know if they're even sort of related, other than the fact that they both happen in December, and one is sort of like the antithesis of the other one. Yeah. You know, like Santa's all about ho-ho, and here's your yeah. gifts, and all that, and Krampus is about, you know, time to pay the fiddler. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I wonder if, if Santa collects the data, who's naughty, who's nice, and then uh, and Krampus then just gives looks it at to the Krampus list. Yeah, on exactly. December 1st and goes, these yeah. are the kids you should go murder. Oh, or you whatever, got the red right? pen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you're gone. <laughs> Well, obviously, the, the party is tongue-in-cheek, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, obviously, we do not believe in de- demons. Fun. We're atheists, right? Yeah, totally. But, so, what gave you the idea to start a Krampus party? And I think you, you dress up as Krampus, right? You are Krampus at the party. I am Krampus at the party, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, what gave us the idea was we, we learned about Krampus one Christmas time. Uh, we went to a... Um, backing up a little bit, uh, when, when my wife and I got into the Denver atheist community was through a group called Daft that w- that used to exist. And uh, it was through a friend we met there that 
uh, we saw a video on YouTube one night at one of their parties yeah. which, about Krampus, and they had this um, parade. You know, this is in Austria where there all these Krampi were marching down the street, and and people were bringing their children to the you know the edges of this parade, and and the Krampus would run out of the you know a parade and grab a small child and carry it off, and. Um, you know, it was just hilarious. You know, yeah. the, the child, of course, would be freaked out as hell. Yeah, they were like, they took it pretty seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was just hilarious. And, and so rather than um, celebrate a traditional Christmas, because we are, you know, not traditional people. Sure. Um, we started, we had a first Krampus party. And unfortunately, we had open enrollment. <laughs> and so, you know, we've learned since then to be more selective about yeah, who we let go. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's been a great run. Yeah, no, I had a great time at the party. Yeah, and, yeah uh, this year will be our sixth party. It's the sixth year this year. Okay. It, it was actually seven years ago that we started it, but we skipped a year between one and two because <laughs> the uncertainty. Because of that meetup yeah. request or whatever you guys did? Yeah, due to the uh, you know open enrollment policy of the first one, <laughs> we, we had, I don't want to say undesirable people, just people that don't really, you know, fit. Didn't quite work out. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. say that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. That's a nice way. <laughs> you know, who's not selective in life? You know, people that, that will befriend just anyone? I don't know. I think they get caught up in the raid, you know? Yeah, I think you kind of have to be. Because some have to people be a little seem bit selective to want to life. use you for things, or they, they're, of they're course, not reciprocal. Yeah. They don't exactly. reciprocate, you know? Exactly. So you're the kind of person that gives a lot of yourself or your time or whatever, and yeah. they don't reciprocate. That and I don't think people need to feel guilty about saying, I... I don't want to associate with you. Yeah, Un- no, you shouldn't. Unkind, uncool, you whatever don't even have person. To tell them why. Un- dishonest. You can just say it's not working out. Yeah, right. Or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. You shouldn't feel guilty about that. No, no. But I think there's, you know, I think in our current society, that's what we do. We just try to embrace our guilt all the time, you know. And it's fine to be responsible. It's another thing to be self-deprecating. You yeah. know, humans aren't that bad. Just be a good one and, you know, <laughs> let the rest work itself out. And the other thing, too, is, like, your good might be some might bother somebody else. A lot of it is just personal preference, yeah. right? Like, a lot of the people that maybe I don't associate with, they're not bad people. They're just not my kind of people. Maybe right. they like things I don't like or exactly. they like to do things I don't like to do. Exactly. Like and those things aren't bad. They're just things I don't dig. Yeah, right. I just don't dig doing it. Let me ask you this real quick. So, right. um at the party this year, so this was my first year, this last year, uh, mm-hmm. 2018, was the first year I went to the Krampus party. And I was very lucky to I'm go, sorry. I thought. No, no, it was fine. Um, I know we've known of each other for about three years, but we just sort of became friends at the Krampus party and then thereafter. Yes. Um, other than saying just hello at functions or whatever, things that we were mutually going to, like secular hub events, science talks, stuff like that. Um, but I was really blown away by the showmanship of the party, <laughs> by uh, the sock exchange. You guys mm-hmm. exchanged socks. Sock swap. Sock swap. Spectacular yeah. sock swap. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah. I got uh, Bob Ross uh, Happy yep. Little Accident socks, yes. and they were awesome because they matched my suit, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you guys also had sort of a, a little... It was. I don't want to say it was a play, but you had a musical interlude or a, mm-hmm. a, a show that you put yes, on and it was, a show. it was about 
it was about it was about celebration. It was about Krampus. It was a t- it was sarcasm. It was a lot. When did you start doing the music in the show? When did you start? Mm-hmm. That, when did you get that idea? The first two years, um, we would do the sock swap, and I had this rubber devil mask that I would wear, and I would be Krampus, and I would pass out the socks and everything, uh-huh. and uh, that was great. But on year three, I um, decided that I wasn't going to wear that you know fucking devil mask anymore because it was uncomfortable and uh it's probably sweaty yeah and then i uh had written a couple songs it was actually a a rap song that i had done um that was like the second in a series uh related to each other um and we can talk about that later if you want to but uh i don't know about you rapping i was like i'll I'll take your word for it yeah (laughs) it can happen um and from the hood, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I uh, decided I was going to perform a song. And so I um, did the Weasel song. Mm-hmm. And I uh, got, you know, we're always so lucky to have um, a lot of friends volunteer at our parties to do stuff. Because it's become more than just one party. It's, a, um, you know six or seven parties all year long you know related to it because you have rehearsals and yeah you know work things out yeah it's good you know it's always an excuse to have another get together yeah so um yeah so that's how it started um i did that first one and then the the next year you know we each time we're looking for a new theme Mm -hmm. because there's a new theme every time you know um parties one and two didn't really have a theme but um Party three had the theme Rise of the Weasel. So it, it always leaves us open to go back to the Weasel again. That was mm-hmm. one of the rap songs. And then the next year it was uh, uh, Grampus. And I, <laughs> I did a rap song I wrote um, about being old. Uh, <laughs> now you're not that old. I know, I know. But you like uh, to say you're old. But, but I, you know. I mean, you're pretty old. You only, yeah, exactly. You have to, yeah. only have to be 50 to get AARP card. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, that's what it was. It was the take on that old uh, song, uh, but changed it up a little bit and made it, uh, you down with AARP? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So, um, so I did that one. And then, um, actually, 2018 was the last party. Mm-hmm. So that would have been the third performance that I've done. Okay. And um, and on that one, we did the No Eye and Merca. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, Don't Fuck With Krampus song. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, in the audio you sent me, we don't have Don't Fuck With Krampus, right? But we have... Murder. No, you don't. I mean, it's just, you know, these are two songs I wrote for the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... No, I just wanted to... So I'm going to tee up the song here in a second. Okay. So let's uh, listen in. Gather around, y'all young. Come on now. Grandpa's going to sing his song. Come on, punky. God damn it, Lurling, come on. This is a love song. That place, not a person. Do something like this. Well, it seems to me that everything's a changing. And Merka ain't just like she used to be. It's legal weed, me too, and Bernie Sanders. And the general societal acceptance of previously vilified behaviors, but apparently perfectly normal behaviors, like homosexuality. And it's clear to me 
the burqa is quite different. Though some folks think she's better than before, but being kind and decent means I lose my special, no, my extra special treat. Then I don't wanna live here anymore. It ain't the same today in the U.S. of A. Proceed to shine and see. Cause no one here respects my individuality. Cause how you gonna act when your privilege is attacked and they just condemn and curse you? Cause there ain't no me in democracy. And there ain't no I, Merka. No, there ain't no I, Merka. Grandpa, don't you want for everyone to coexist together in peace and equality? She don't mean comfort the now all these socialists are getting me pissed Spending money on the welfare state And giving my tax dollars to these poor brown folks I hate So fuck them all, we're building us a wall for the undocumented worker Cause we can't afford food if the rich gets through And ain't no I'm or good Ain't no, I ain't gonna try. Dog bone hunting, pigs don't fly. World's going to hell, let me tell you why. Cause there ain't no I, Merka. No, there ain't no I, Merka. Now, Grandpa, I must disagree with that whole idea. Isn't it immoral not to help people who need it? Immoral? I mean, don't talk to me about morality, girl. I was holding down church pews before you was even a gleam in your mama's eye. Well, I gotta disagree there, too, Grandpa. Going to church isn't what makes you moral. It's what you do, or in this case, sing. It just didn't sing no more to praise to the Lord in school or city hall. And all these secret Muslims are proposing Sharia law. And they won't be satisfied till my child is a bride and my mama wears a burqa. Cause there ain't no me in the chimney. And there ain't no I'm or good. Oh, there ain't no I'm or I thought you said if the secret Muslims ever took over the government, you had your guns to protect you. You still have them, don't you, Grandpa? It just ain't no fun owning a gun with the mandatory background checks. And all these gun shows who pull assholes breathing down our necks. So I can't guarantee how armed I'm gonna be when I finally go berserker. So let us pray for the NRA. Cause there ain't no I'm Ain't no I ain't gonna try Dog won't hunt and pigs don't fly World's going to hell, let me tell you why Cause there ain't no I'm No, there ain't no I'm No, there ain't no I'm No, there ain't no I'm as everybody can hear, it's great stuff. Um, well, I don't know if everybody well, can hear that, but it's fun. Yeah. it's fun, and it's yeah. it's got some comedy. It's got some tongue in cheek. It's I mean, the song is well written. Um, 
you know, obviously, you know, you're not like a professional singer songwriter, but obviously you put time and effort into it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of oomph there. There's a lot of passion there. It's mm-hmm. obvious. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. It's genuinely funny. I remember being at the party yeah. laughing out loud yeah. at you guys. Yeah. Just being funny. And, yeah. uh, it, I mean, it was really one of those moments that struck me. And that was really when I thought, like, I got to get this guy on the podcast. Right. So that was one of the things that really sold me on the sure. on the podcast. Well, but, just as a foundational thing, I have this um, uh, thing I sort of thought of that um, a a performance like that that you can do for people to entertain them um, when it's not being recorded and you know commodified when it's just a one-time thing it only exists in the memories and the appreciation of the people who were there it, it's all it's a much better gift than you know anything that can be sold over the counter or downloaded online mm-hmm. you know and so um you know there's sort of a captive audience at the party they've come for the food and the booze you know and then once you got them trapped you you break out the guitar <laughs> So, subject them yeah. to yeah so that's where we're at too now what like what was uh cause I love the lyrics mm-hmm. in No I in America mm-hmm. I love I love like the I love the fact that you're taking the other side's perspective so you're this mm-hmm. old grouchy dude mm-hmm. who's a conservative and mm-hmm. who's a gun loving Muslim hating you yeah, know yeah. whatever and it's so, like it's so well written because for one it's true mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, not yeah. not and not every conservative is going to take those views, but many many conservatives seem no. to. That that but, seems to be a lot of the, yeah, the talking it, points. It's mainstream conservatism, really. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Yeah, no, Even, as absurd as it sounds. No, it is. It yeah. is, but. But is that where you got it? Is that where you got the idea from? Was there any? Like, no, that, I got the idea at a party. There was a girl I knew. Mm-hmm. And they were having a separate conversation from me, but she knows I'm a songwriter, and and they, all of a sudden I hear the whole side of the room explode with laughter. And she comes over, and she goes, "We we got an idea that you know n- there ain't no I in Merca, <laughs> you know that you should write that song." And then I was like, "Well, you know, maybe I will, you know." And then <laughs> it just sort of stewed in there for actually like a year and a half. Okay. But then when um, we needed a new Krampus. Um, you know, uh, theme. Um, I thought country Krampus was, you know, Krampus country was the perfect theme for a change up from what we did last year with another rap song. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had already that song in my head. So I just sort of finished it up and then, um, wrote don't fuck with Krampus too in a country theme. Mm -hmm. And that's what the performance was, you know, did one and the other. And we had some, you know, acting in there had, you know, like I said, my friends are always very willing to participate and take some part in the performance or, you know, whatever, just making it great. And, um, yeah. So I'm always appreciative. Making Krampus great again. Yeah. 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 You don't have to because he's, yeah. He's always great. He never stopped being great. Yeah. But well, that's great. I mean, I honestly, it's as somebody that was invited to the party, I was actually Jesse's, uh, Plus, plus one, one. Yeah. yeah. So he got invited, and he was like, "You want to go?" And I was like, "Fuck yeah, I want to go." Um, but as as being a, a part of that party for the first time, there was there was like a sense of community and kind of family. There was like a sense of belonging, yeah. and and yeah. a lot of it had to do 
with with like what you said, all the people that were engaged in the actual making of the party. It wasn't just like you and Gina. It was like twenty people. Yeah, all right. taking responsibility, all being sort of behind the scenes, yeah. all pulling together. And it's all partially theirs, you know. So yeah. it's their party too, you know. Yeah, and, and yeah. That was really cool. I don't know. Everybody really enjoys it. Yeah, no, I had a great time. So we we were just talking about Gina a little bit, and mm-hmm. you referred to her as your uh, wife. Yeah, we got married in 2007. Got married by a black Elvis, and, <laughs> you know... Where was we, this? We got married right here in my backyard on my patio. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we didn't say, I do. We said, uh-huh. <laughs> and it was just a bunch of different stupid things. And, yeah. you know, we had, like, uh, an Elvis, you know, because of the Vegas... We had a Vegas theme. Did I say that? <laughs> No, no, not yet, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had a I Vegas kind of theme. That, yeah. That's where the Black Elvis came in, obviously, yeah. <laughs> so it fit into that. And my sister's all dressed up like hookers, and, <laughs> you know, it was great. It, it was just, like, too fucking fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, it sounds great. Yeah. That's the thing, dude. You guys always have a good yeah. time. You always come up with something really interesting and fun. That's why you guys are my first pick for, like, the culture <laughs> episode. Like, who are the kinds of people yeah. you're going to meet at the Secular Hub? Now, not everybody's like you. No. They, uh, not everybody's like me. But yeah. of, like, the rich culture that you can find, you guys kind of dig the deepest. I mean, you're, you're into cigars. You're into bourbon. You're into barbecue. You're into good food. Yes. Cross-cultural I'm food. I'm a hedonist. Yeah. Yes. You're into lots of people and community and social networks, and you play music, and yeah. obviously it runs deep. Like, is there is there something you can speak to about that? Like, where does that come from, or is it just who you are? Um, how, how, how you was raised? Uh, we never had part. We didn't have a lot of parties at my house or anything like that. My parents weren't, you know, they couldn't afford to be that. And they were, you know, they weren't cool people. They just weren't, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's like, um, but I was exposed to some cool people, and I grew up at a really cool time in the country and in a really cool place in a way. I mean, you know, because uh, um, when was that? Was it the seventies, sixties? Yeah, I was born in sixty four. Okay, you know, so. So and I was born in, in East Cleveland. Formative years in the 70s. Yeah, and, and I don't know if, if what I do has anything to do with my sense of culture, honestly. It's just, what do I enjoy doing? You know, how 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 much fun is it to participate in something like this, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, well, I think it, when I call it culture, I mean it's like you, you have an inclusivity. There's... There's, it's not just something you like to do. You like to do it with other people, which sort of builds a culture. So yeah. it's like a, yeah. it's like a socialized culture where we get together and we talk and we smoke cigars in your backyard sure. and we eat pulled pork and we talk of shit and you know we play music and and yeah. like that that part of it I think is more of a culture. Well, I mean that's one one aspect of it certainly. I mean that yeah. you can you can have some kind of camaraderie with people that doesn't really revolve around you know magical skymen or anything yeah. you know yeah and um but the community is much bigger than that i mean there's a lot of people within it that wouldn't necessarily enjoy smoking cigars with us no but, right but right. we can bond over you know in watching a speaker at the hub and and you know expanding your mind you know um yeah, the hub has great speakers. Yeah, they have yeah, such so good science they talks do. and they do. social talks. There, there is a whole community out there. There are cool people. There are people to be friends with. There are, you know, substitutes for, um, you know, being in, in an oppressive sort of uh, community where people 
you know, just judge all the time, you know, yeah. and, and and you can't question in those communities, right? I mean, to me, that's the big drawback of, yeah. of being in a religious community or in a religious culture is questioning is against the rules. And yeah. here, in this kind of community, in this kind of culture, questioning is 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 something that everybody encourages of everybody else. Yeah, that's Even a, that's, if they're stupid questions, it's still like, let's the, get them out on the table. the foundation of our, yeah. our belief system, if you want to call it that. Yeah. I made the point in my last RFR meeting that... Um, a faith that that they can't expand beyond itself, you know, to to accept new realities as they come into view. That's a worthless faith. We're not we're not static beings. We're dynamic beings. I'm not the same person I was when I was 20, and I don't won't be the same person when I'm 70 that I am, that I am now. Mm-hmm. You know, you learn new lessons, and you you know you accept new things as you as you grow, and um, hopefully that doesn't stop. So how can you have a, a stagnant, you know, static faith? It, yeah. It, it has it's to change or it's, it? or it's useless. Yeah. It, it always made me feel empty and, and, and disheartening when I, when I thought about it yeah. that way. Yeah. 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 Because I never really wanted, like, somebody to love me unconditionally and watch everything I do and yeah. be the loving father. I never wanted that. No. Like, that doesn't comfort me. That creeps me out. That'd be like if I caught my roommate watching me have sex through my window in my bedroom. You know what yeah. I mean? It'd be like, what are you doing? If I had been offered that version of God, I probably would have kept on with it. Yeah. You know, but yeah. the version of God that I got was always looking for an excuse to toss you into a lake of fire. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. only by being ultra vocal about, you know, um, how much you love him. Could you possibly redeem yourself? You know, yeah. he had to see it all the time. Well, and he asks for the impossible. How do you love something that you can't know in any way, shape, or form? I mean, sometimes I barely love the people that I know the best, and I love them. I love those people, but sometimes I'm like, man, you are really rubbing me the wrong. You know, <laughs> like yeah. I need some space or whatever. Sometimes it's hard to love the people you know for a fact exist and care about you. What about these people? This being that supposedly exists you have no identification with them you have nothing to look at nothing to see taste touch smell nothing how do you even problem. love we, something like that it's, we, we kick the word there. love around like it like it you know it's a, it's a swiss army word yeah you know for like people use the word love but they don't they don't assign any rational meaning to it it's just something i feel you know it, yeah. no it, it, if you want to make love useful and if you want to you know make God something more than just, uh, you know, an abstract concept. The love has to be um, an action. It has to be something tangible. Yeah. You know, it has to be some kind of form of selflessness. You know, uh, my brother hates it when I use the word transcendence, but I mean, you know, to transcend the average common, you know, monkey behavior of men and women. <laughs> yeah. You know, so... If you could do that, if you could actually be able to tell what love is and, you know, identify it when you see it, then, um, you know, to talk about God being love is meaningless. It does, you know, it's just... Uh, it doesn't make any sense. No, no, it's, not, it's nonsense. There's so much theater in religion. Yeah. You know, so yeah. as such, it's, it's sort of, you know, uh, immune to nuance. You know, it doesn't have time for all that. It deals in bumper stickers and platitudes and, you know, 
things that make you feel good in the instant without actually offering any long-term wisdom. Right. You know. Yeah, the nuance is often um, superimposed onto it by better thinkers of modern day. You know, you hear you hear people that sure. that have an intellectualized understanding of yeah. religion. And they add all the the gray area and the nuance yeah. and the spectrums and all that. Yeah. If you really read the book, if you look at the people that wrote it, it's more contradictory than anything else. But after that, there's really not a lot of nuance. <laughs> it's not hate gay people only if they try to murder you, <laughs> right? It's well, like it's like just gay people because I said so. You know what I mean? No, it, so there's yeah, no nuance. Says there. they're there's, an abomination. There's, right? Yeah, there's no spectrum there. It's yeah. like well, what? Not everybody's all the way gay. What about those people that are bisexual? Are they cool? Right. You know, it doesn't have any of those answers. That's right. That's yeah. That's yeah. So we were just talking about religion. Yeah. What are of course. Your, what are your current thoughts on sort of the religious state that we find ourselves in? I mean, just to, just to throw in a little bit more there. Well, I mean, I think it. You know, each generation sees religion, their religion evolve, whether they admit it or not. You know, and I'm definitely seeing an evolution in religion, or maybe it's a, some kind of cyclical thing. But it, um, as I, what I'm seeing is that people are leaving religion. You yeah. are leaving the nuns are organized religion. Um, I, I, I did yes. some work in my job at a at a parochial school um, recently, and the lady there was limiting the fact that they were going to have to go down to just uh, kindergarten and first grade because um, they couldn't get them you know, uh, students in the door to be able to keep the doors open, you know. Right. So they, they um, the most efficient course of action was to cut classes. Yeah. Or, you know, instead of going up to eighth grade, they just do kindergarten and first grade. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, secretly, when I heard that, I celebrated it. When she was telling me how parochial schools all over are struggling and, you know, that, that seemed like a positive change to me. Yeah. And then, on the other hand, you know, I see that that religious rhetoric is still very pop culture positive, and it's still you know there's still the the what I call the false moral credentials of faith that exists, and I don't know how you fight against that. I don't know how you you know rest that um, you know what they sort of taken to themselves uh, that uh, superiority complex. I don't know how you take that from them. Yeah, you know. Again, magic is limitless, and so they, they have no, um, you know, sense of duty to the, our shared reality. Well, once they once they get indoctrinated and they find themselves on the immoral side of the argument, which the religious overwhelmingly do, it, you're right. It's very difficult to pull them over to the correct side, and I don't mean like yeah. the right side or the side I prefer. I mean the actual, evidentially correct side. It's 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 very complicated. That's why mm. we still have so many problems with abortion yeah. uh, and women's rights and yeah. um, gay and lesbian rights. And I mean, this is all pressure coming from the religious, and it's so clearly immoral. And they're so clearly immoral. I I, I guess I have mixed feelings. I mean, there was you know. It was a time when I was um, still a Christian where I, you know, the book of Matthew had a lot in it that I sort of clung to, you know, sure. to give it, to give the Bible moral legitimacy. And then whenever I was pissed off at somebody, you know, it'd be one of the books that Paul wrote, you know, and um, I'd find something nasty in there, you know. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, you can take or leave whatever you want out of it. You know, they, people, 
Christians always call other people cafeteria Christians where you pick and choose. Yeah, well, you, or the you, wrong Christians. You fucking better pick and choose. <laughs> you know, I mean... The only decent, only a decent person would. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Only a decent person would pick and choose. Yeah, from that book especially. From any book. There's no magic and there's no, you know, uh, magical punishments for not believing in magic. Mm-hmm. So be good, you know, I mean, right now. Well... In uh, Ain't No Eye in America, mm-hmm. you have a religious spin. You also have mm-hmm. a little bit of a political spin. Um, politically, yeah. what do you see happening right now? Like, what's your what's your take on what we're seeing in the United States politically? And not just one side, any side, wherever you want to start or finish or whatever. I don't know. I feel like uh, it's a little bit crazy, you know? And they keep using the word constitutional crisis to describe what's happening with the subpoenas and everything, you know. Yeah, you're talking um, about the White House. Yeah. And we are divided as hell, you know. Yeah. Is this really that much different, though, than, like, W, um, Junior Bush, or... Is it really that much different than some of the stuff we saw in the past? Or, I mean, do you see see a stark contrast to previous presidencies? Hmm. You make a good point. I mean, it's an angry time in the country. Whether or not the basis for it is, is, you know, viable. Yeah. So, um, there does seem to be more anger yeah. maybe than in the past. I feel yeah. like George W. had a lot of uncertainty yeah. from our side. Yeah. We were like, "What's what? What is he doing? You know, yeah. what are we? What are we doing? Why are we in Iraq or whatever?" But right now, it seems like we're really angry because we're seeing this alt right push. Yeah. We're seeing the fundamentalists prop up Trump. We're seeing just odd behavior odd behavior yeah. that we can't I can't I can't square it I can't figure out why a fundamentalist would support Trump other than they want Roe v. Wade overturned and Trump seems to be the puppet to do it uh yeah that's scary as hell <laughs> but uh, you know what is it you know I, I have to be honest when I say I'm a little bit uh you know uh, pessimistic about what's happening mm-hmm. um, Trump has a lot of support yeah, he does. It still does. And, um, it's low in comparison to former presidents, but it's still in the 30s and 40 percentiles. Or percentages are in the 30s and 40s. That's yeah. that's a lot of people. It is. It yeah. is. And I meet, you know, you meet them occasionally. A lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. I had a few run-ins recently. With people. Did you? Yeah, you know, just like a guy at work the other day, um, he was talking about uh, Caitlyn Jenner and about, you know, then it transitioned into uh, you know how he thought that uh, two men getting married to each other was the same as uh, a pedophile marrying a child or a or a man marrying a horse or you know like yeah. he thought that you know bestiality and pedophilia and uh, homosexuality were just three sides of the same Rubik's Cube you know yeah, yeah. and uh just, I, I was sort of shocked because the guy's really friendly and I like the guy, but I mean, what a fucking dick thing to say. I mean, <laughs> I know, how yeah. stupid can you be? And then, uh, you know, the other guy that was in the room sort of said to him, well, I know you're very religious. And it's like, was well, that as excusing it? I mean, yeah. it's okay because he's religious to be, you know, that ignorant and, and bigoted, really? Oh, man, I just, I, you know. I didn't know what to say. I was sort of speechless, you know. Yeah, I think I think if that as an excuse, the well, you I know you're real religious. 
I think when we when when we see people that are just so outwardly ignorant, like you said, mm-hmm. that is the only excuse. I can't think of another. Have you heard of another excuse for that? I mean, it, it's an excuse in the sense that only the religious could be that ignorant, right? I mean, can you think of another group of people that can just? Well, I don't think dogma in some sense necessarily. Yeah, be I, don't, I don't think that, that ignorant. Man, or is that I, I think that no, I think that that humanity like is perpetually ignorant and perpetually surprised by it. We always have higher expectations for what than what we can actually achieve. You know, it's just who we are. We're just you know hopeful monkeys. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, yeah. the ass is getting scratched. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, there's some of that pessimism. I don't, I, I don't disagree with you. I just, I'm trying to think of another group. Where you could he- you could hear something that ignorant and be like, oh well, it's because he's really religious. Is there any other like, oh well, it's because oh he's he's you know he doesn't like broccoli. Yeah, yeah. There's no other. There's uh, no other. There's no. no other excuse, quote unquote. No. It's not an excuse, and but, I understand I mean, why you're like. That's the sort of privilege it, that the majority yeah, enjoys. Yeah. And so we we who are not in the majority have to sort of live with it. Yeah. And we have to keep our head low yeah. and keep it in the closet sometimes because. You know, nobody wants to be the bad guy at work yeah. or the, you know, the, the neighbor who nobody will call the cops if someone's breaking in or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you never know how it manifests, but, you know, you can't be that obviously vilified and still, you know, uh, have that not have repercussions for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember a mild job. Uh, you remember when the whole Adrian Peter- Peterson story broke where mm-hmm. he was beating his kid mm-hmm. with a switch and his kid was all bloodied up and shit? I got beat with a switch when I was a kid. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, it's like a West Virginia tradition. Oh, great. You, you know, if a kid fucks up really bad, you make him go pick his own switch. Yeah. You know, again, conservative religious ideology breeds corporal, you know, sort of... Eye for an eye yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah there's definitely more... Um, and. Maybe their children, you know, the ones that are good, you know, quote unquote good, they they do act the part better than your average kid who, you know, feels free to ask questions or not cut his hair the certain way that you want him to or wear the certain clothes that you want him to, you know, express himself. But that's repression. Um, yeah, that's, well, I know, but that's yeah. still what we look at and, and commend. Look how oppressed your children are. Yeah, look at how, look how in a box they are. They are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. four little squares. You must be very proud. Yeah, you know, they're going to grow up and yeah, be hookers point. and drug dealers one day. Maybe. Yeah. I hope yeah. you're happy. That's a good point. That's a good point. We do actually look upon that as good in some sense, uh, societally. When you hear a lot of the comedians talk, and there's a lot of yes. you know that white people don't beat their kids enough, yes. you know, type of jokes and. It's like uh, okay. maybe, maybe not. I mean, I mean, yeah. what's enough? You know? Yeah. Until uh, yeah. you're satisfied. You know. You what? know? I always said, if I ever became a father, I always said I might actually like slap or hit my kid once. Right. If I really needed to get their attention, so like, let's say they just ran sure. into the street. Yeah. And I had to pull them out of the street, and I was like, "Don't ever do that again." Smack. You know right. what I mean? Just like to. But I, I still don't think I would do that. No, but I thought, I just, like, what would, what, you know, I would lose my mind maybe. Or I'd make a mistake. You make mistakes yeah. as a parent or as, just as a person in general. Yeah. What might that look like? And I thought maybe that would be it. But I would never, like, say you should hit your kids for running in the street. Yeah. But I could see I, making a mistake. So, you know, just can't, I think sometimes it's spontaneous, you know. Sure. You just 
parents react the way they react. I remember getting a spanking one time where my dad caught me just about to throw a match into a bucket of gasoline. <laughs> and uh, apparently that's not a good thing to do. I guess not. And, uh, yeah, so he sort of whipped me all the way home. But, oh, uh, yeah, you know, I deserved it. I, I definitely felt like, you know, that was bad uncalled for. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, you could have, like, blown up the garage. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm even as a kid, in retrospect, you could say, you know, maybe it saved my ass a little bit on that one. Yeah. Because that yeah. was dangerous. Well, and I think you bring up a good point that people make mistakes, too. I mean, you just yeah. blow your cool. People are you, dumb. You fucking, you lose it, and you start hitting, and you don't even realize oh, yeah. it, and then you're like, oh my god, what am I doing? Yeah, I And I can so, see that. Too. Yeah. So, when I met you and your wife, mm-hmm. uh, you had said to me that you told her during you guys met speed dating. You told her maybe you didn't tell her during speed dating, but you, I thought it was early on. Yeah, that uh, it was something like this, and I'm paraphrasing. But it was something like you know I don't really want to go to heaven. I just want to find a place where I can listen to my music and chill out. Um, it was something like that. Yeah, well, that's pretty close to what I said. Was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the point, anyway. And she mean, said, I'll date you if you build me a closet. Out of yeah, bedroom. right. <laughs> if you, put, you give I me did. a place to put my clothes. Yeah. That's right. The horde. What did, what did you tell her, though? What was it? Because it was really sweet. It was at the speed date. And um, for some reason, you know, and I, I someone else, I might have actually taken it a weird way. But I don't know. She didn't seem, she seemed genuine, you know. And she um, said, so when you leave, what do you want to take with you? You know. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and I said, uh, you know, my the memories of the people I love in my songs. You know, and um, that that was, you know, I just knew that the, the the presumption was, you know, if you can take anything with you, it's not, you know, necessarily her saying that there's some place where we're going to end up because I right. don't, you know, it's just the thing people say. Yeah, because yeah. It, it feels good in the moment, you know. Yeah. A sort of, you know, spiritual masturbation in a sense, but yeah, so what? It comes you know? yeah. There's nothing wrong with either variety. If it, it you know As long as it's not delusional, right? No, as long I mean, as you know you're just doing it to comfort yourself, yeah. Yeah, if you're not try to convince yourself to murder other people. Yeah. You know. But anyway. Um yeah, so she asked me a sort of a spiritual question right off the bat and I answered it that way and yeah. rest is history. She said she knew she liked you right away. At least that's what she said when I met you guys. She did. I, I was uncertain about her because uh, I thought she was rich. She carries herself with a sort of a, you know, a dignity that I, you know, took as her being rich and me being from poor hillbilly stock. I'm perpetually sort of self conscious about the fact that I'm not rich. So you know, I don't know. It's, it's even though I, I don't necessarily think that women are superficial in that way. I happen to know that it does make a difference. You know, if you have sure. a couple of dimes rubbed together, you're going to get farther along than um, you know the guy who doesn't. Um, tell me more about music, man. When did you start playing music? Started playing music probably when I was seventeen, but I started writing songs when I was a small child. Actually, I remember just making up songs, and wordplay was always sort of a fun thing for me. You mm-hmm. know, so um, it was natural. And then you know, because I had sort of a rough childhood in some ways, you know, that I think that that pain. Uh, 
it, it fertilizes creativity you know it nurtures creativity people it, you know creative outlets are very common amongst people who have some sort of a you know childhood issue or whatever or some you know mm-hmm. I mean you know I mean there's Kurt Cobain's you know who ended up killing himself you know there's a lot of those but I mean he's just an example yeah and I, I yeah. mean um just because somebody is famous or a songwriter or you you know they have a lot of money doesn't mean they're happy and you know a lot of rich famous people are unhappy and they're very creative too you know and right. um we get a lot more pleasure out of their stuff than they do you know seems like it yeah yeah we get more pleasure out of their stuff than they seem to get out of our money Exactly. Right. <laughs> yes. the, 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 we have the good side of the exchange. Yeah, the trade-off seems to be yeah. in our favor. If you could say anything, if you had the world as, a, as your stage, what would mm. you say? If you wanted to be immortalized? I guess if I wanted to be immortalized, I'd pick a religion. Yeah? You know? yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much okay with being shit. a finite being. You know? Speaking of picking a religion, if you could pick one heaven, which one would you pick? Do you know? They're all bullshit. I mean, so you know, it's all cupcakes and pussy. And yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, but pick like your Christian flavor. Christian heaven is like yeah. you worshiping all the time and singing praise and shit. And then the Muslim heaven, you get all a bunch of virgins. And then there's some other heavens where nothing really happens at all. It's just sort of blackness. Uh, yeah, I know those are ridiculous. Why even try to yeah, offer yeah, me yeah. something is so yeah, yeah. you know right. so ridiculous? I, you know. That was the thing about the Christian heaven is that it was supposed to be the most wonderful ever place, and you could just be joyful now, even though all this horrible shit happens to you. Be joyful now because one day you can be dancing around on a cloud with Jesus. Yeah. Instead of being here in his miserable fucking shithole with us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Stupid stupid question. Nah, it's hard. It's it's kind of stupid. I'm very cynical, you know, and I... Uh, I couldn't tell, yeah. No, I couldn't tell. <laughs> I couldn't tell. You didn't get me on that at all. I didn't get No, that I try to wear that on my sleeve like an old yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'll do better. Well, what else do you want to talk about, man? What's on your mind? You're an interesting guy. You've always got something cool to say. I don't know, man. I mean, what would be my message for humanity? What would you tell any potential Secular Hub member that might be listening? Um... We've got good people, man. I mean, they're normal people. Some of them are poor, and some of them are ugly, and some of them are attractive, and some of them are, you know, a lot of really smart ones, too. I don't know if it, it's smarter than the average church would be, but um sure seems that way to me, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a lot of really smart people. A lot of really interesting, weird people, and that are sort of outside the box, you know, and free to be. Um, just, it, it's a good community. I mean, all my friends now, everybody that I hold dear, my chosen family, all were derived from that, you know, resource. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm happier than I've ever been with, you know, socially. With the, with the people that I know and that I associate with, and the, and the people there are usually very open to um, having new relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, you know, unlike the religious communities where people tend to be 
they can be guarded. They want to draw you into the faith, but they don't really necessarily want to be your friend, you know. Right. Um, because you're not the same Christian they are or whatever. Exactly. But, no, it's been a great experience for me. And, you know, I I, I guess I, I was, I've been an atheist for a long time, but um, when I lived in the Detroit area, that I don't, I didn't, I wasn't looking for an atheist community because I, you know, um, you just assume that, uh, you know, uh, you're hanging out with other drunks, so most of them are atheists. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, that's just how my, my 20s went. You yeah. know, it was rough, rough road. Rough, rough path. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But here we are now. Yeah. Know, on top of the world. Well, let me ask you this. So, yeah. A lot of people say, oh, you know, what are the tenets of atheism? Or they say, so you believe in nothing when they find out you're an atheist. Um, I don't find that to be true, but what do you... You don't believe God exists, or you're not convinced that God exists. Right. Or you believe no God exists. One of those three. And sometimes it, it's one of those three. Yeah, I mean, you know? it, it can change it, sometimes, it, yeah, depending on right. your mood and depending on where totally. you're at. Depending on need. I've always said... You know, I don't really believe that a God exists. You know, I really think it's bullshit. And I think it's always been bullshit that yeah. is used to manipulate people and blah, blah, blah. However, if I'm ever in a car accident and I'm trapped in there and I'm bleeding and, you know, nobody's coming to help me, I, I've reserved the right in my desperation to call out to whatever force I want to make up and I don't feel at all ashamed to do it yeah. I don't think it makes me a bad atheist no. you know um, it makes me a normal human because it's not coincidental that 80 something percent you know of the world population believe that there's a sky guy mm-hmm. you know it's not an accident that's who we are as a species right. and that's you know you have to you have to reconcile being a humanist and being an atheist because being an anti-theist or an atheist, you know, you're you have you're you're opposing something that's fundamental in humankind, or so it seems. Mm-hmm. You know, and for good or bad, that's who we are, mm-hmm. and you have to take the whole package. Yeah. So you have as atheists, we have to be. Here's the word transcendent again, but the way you love other people is by understanding that they are not um, all as evolved as you, and that. Um, you know, some people have weaknesses and pains and desperations that you can't see. And the religion may serve them on some level. Obviously it does, or they wouldn't have it. Right. Somehow we, we've transcended the need for religion. Yeah. Somehow we found substitute comforts. Yeah, or no comfort know? at all. Yeah. Or the comfort in knowing that you're free to find the comfort if it comes along. And you're not locked into one particular you know, paradigm for the rest of your life. Because right. obviously, like I said, we, we, we're constantly evolving as people. Why, why would we choose a stagnant or a static um, ideology? It, yeah. it will never fit. It's like having a one-size-fits-all pair of shoes. <laughs> right. It's going to work for, like, you know, a couple percent of the people are going to be like, see, religion is great. See how comfortable <laughs> these are? My toe comes right to here. Just perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there's a lot of other people that are going to be, like, in clown shoes and a lot of others that are going to be limping along, you know, with broken, you know, phalanges or whatever it would be. <laughs> yeah. Metatarsals. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. I think that atheists think about that stuff, and I think that maybe religious people sometimes don't try to. They don't 
they're so happy in their bubble that they don't consider what life is like outside the bubble and once they find out that how how liberating it is to be a moral creature in the sense that you think about what you do mm-hmm. instead of just robotically following some um, mandates right you know from above um and you start appreciating the nuance in life yeah and then you become you know really self-actualized or um you become a you, you know who you are well isn't it that nuance that sets the stage for the moral decision and the moral framework i mean it, it should to grapple with moral issues is to understand the nuance right and yeah, to say right. well some things are more uh immoral than other things and some rights are more um you know immutable than others and so yeah. on yeah i mind less when hungry people steal food. yeah i mean yeah yeah exactly you know? yeah i do yeah that's a, yeah that's a great uh a great example yeah. So, you mentioned humanism just yeah. in your mm-hmm. my in your, rant in your last my rant. Yeah. <laughs> so, is that what you believe? Is that where you derive a lot of your ethics from? Is a humanist perspective? Perspective. Well, I used to consider myself a humanist. Um, I have a shirt I had made. It's got a picture of Darwin with a you know doing the shush thing, yeah. and um, it says humanist, but only until we discover a better species. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that's sort of where I'm at. I, I yeah. you know, we have our problems too and our faults and our, I struggle to be a humanist sometimes because maybe it would be better if we were replaced by something better. But, sure. um, or if we weren't so prolific, we, we seem to be self-destructive, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, like if there were less of yeah. us, like the humanist perspective yeah. is to maximize, yeah. um, there should be less of us. Yeah, well-being for as many people as possible, but not at the expense of any, yeah. you know, basic human rights. Right. But the best way that to... sort of leads to a growth model that I don't mm. know that I'm totally comfortable with. Yeah. I mean, at the some point... The fruitful and multiply model is where we've been. Yeah, that's kind of where we are. We need the, you know, if you want to make life precious, make less of it. Yeah. You know? Well, and if you want the earth to be able to sustain and, and last, sure, right? We have to yeah. at some point we have to pull the reins. Uh, you know, nature's going to pull the reins for us. The, yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I agree with you. I don't. I don't think we're going to pull the reins. I think no. it's going to some gonna disease come will come down. along and, and wipe us out. Mm-hmm. But so where do we take okay. comfort then? So now we know that something's going to happen and the the wave is going to break and there's going to be a huge drop off in population mm-hmm. at some point, some kind of plague yep. or something. Where do you were talking? We were talking about comfort earlier. Where do yeah. you find comfort in in, in knowing that? Because I, I find comfort in the end of my discomfort. Okay, you know, life is pain for everybody. For every man, woman, and child, life it means pain, mm-hmm. and you you have a, a choice of you know struggling against it or complying with it. You know, but either way, you're going to have it, and. Um, you know, uh, you know that song I wrote, uh, "Atheist Hymn." <laughs> um, in there, it says, uh, uh, "In my life, I've seen wars and earthly, tr- earthly pleasures and treasures that my heart cannot afford. Yes, indeed, I meet no manly measure. Being no more is my final reward. To be a, a part of a species that's that's perpetually self-critical, um, and and coming anyway from a religious tradition that teaches you." to be ultra um, hard on yourself and to always consider yourself to be, you know, 
on the hairy edge of, of falling into hell, you know, um, death is a is a blessing for a lack of a better word. You know, mm-hmm. death is the end of that self doubt, that constant anxiety that humans feel, mm-hmm. and it's not just me. You know, I know that's why everybody's taking happy pills now because because the human being is not a happy being. It's a it's a you know horny being it's a hungry being yeah. but it's not necessarily happy because we're smart enough to know how fucked up everything really is <laughs> right. and um that that carries with it you know a lot of stress and so stress has always been part of the human condition mm-hmm. you know and i can only imagine how much stress there was when you know everybody had 12 children and you know 40 acres to look after yeah. you know and and not dependable housing yeah, I mean, Something you had to rebuild every two years. D- despite my my pessimism and my um, you know disdain for humanity, sometimes <laughs> I do think that we're getting better. Yeah. And, and this is you know the, probably the best time ever to be alive, to be a human being. Now is the best time to ever do it, yeah. despite all the dangers and the and the um, the risks associated with being a modern human. And um, what we what we threaten to do to each other and to our species, yeah. you know, um, still the best time. Um, still, you know, a couple weekends ago, I had four friends come over to my house and we played music and um, the songs that I normally play solo. I got to you know experience as part of a a four piece, you know, band with real musicians playing. It was great. Yeah, it was fun. magical for me. But um, I had a great time. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, how can I complain? You know, all the all the struggles of my ancestors, you know, have mm-hmm. led to me having a really great existence. Mm-hmm. Despite all this shit that's happened in life, you know, I still have my current reality, which is pretty damn good. Right, right. And I think my wife feels the same way. And, it, you know, it's a lot easier to get over... Um, shit that's happened to you in life when it, life turns out great, you know. Yeah. So the question is, how do we help other people turn out a great life? You know, that's the that's the question. Yeah. Because um, I know they can do it if I could. Well, see, my answer was a lot simpler. It was huh. just I find comfort in the bosom of a woman that loves me. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> that's all I would have said. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Yours was much more eloquent. Mine was just uh, just. No, those ones do not lack their no, comforting qualities. I mean, I think hair. they were built for comfort. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean... <laughs> no, I agree, yeah. Men and babies share that, you know... All people, yeah. Yeah, people actually, like everybody titties. everybody yeah. loves titties. Uh, yeah. You know? I mean, find me somebody that don't like titties. It's like Reese's Cups. Yeah. You know? They're good. Yeah. Just good. No matter which country you go to. <laughs> They're on the menu. <laughs> Ooh. 
Some guys I'd like to ice him, but they won't try. Try this funky monkey and you know why. He don't miss a clue because his mind is curious. And in a fight, his kung fu is serious. That he's injurious, like a furry hurricane. Like a butterfly stings like a freight train. He got a great brain, oh so intelligent. Vibes on the back of a jet black elephant. How elegant the pet who's a threat to the criminal element. Now we gotta shout out to the ladies. Cause they love him and they're driving him crazy. Every night they're pushing and shoving. Trying to get a little of that good monkey loving. And all the players wanna hate and imitate heat. Cause the ladies love a Johnny coming lately. And when it comes to who the ladies love, he's the latest. And all the ladies say, Monkey Cobb, you're the greatest. Monkey Cobb. Ooh. 